I think that was the closest we've ever clapped together. I mean, on my end, it looked terrible, but you're recording, so that's all that matters. Uh, Ryan, everybody, welcome to the Slow Twitch Podcast, episode 10. We took a break. A little hiatus. Yeah, we're a little busy. I actually got it. uh, and a Facebook message the other day from one of our followers. And he was like, what's up with the podcast? I'm like, ah, we've been slacking, man. We're going to be back tomorrow. What happened was Eric and I both have had um, some crazier than normal travel schedules. And um, we wanted to be able to deliver the high quality triathlon content you've come to expect from the Slow Twitch podcast. So yeah. we took a break. Yes. It's so high quality. It's we do research all day, all night. I do have notes. Like do not lots of notes in my head. Yeah. No, I write Perry. mine down. Yeah. Perry Hacker was the one that um he's the uh, race director for the Lava Man on the Big Island. So we're actually gonna have him on the podcast in a couple of weeks. That'll be a Right, you you know where I'm going with that, like, yeah. What do the what do the locals really feel about triathlon and or Ironman? Like, yeah, no, like that's going to be a super interesting episode. Not to tease too far ahead, but we have a very good guest next week. Yes, to talk we do. through too. Yes, yes, he set a big record, um, and we'll we'll go over it next week, but. Um, Ryan, why don't you talk a little bit about what you've been up to? Because you, you don't travel very much and you did. (laughs) So, um, you know, Ironman Lake Placid is in my quote unquote backyard, right? It's, you know, under 200 miles away as the crow flies takes four hours to get there because there's no such thing as a highway that goes east, west, um, everything goes north south to follow all the mountain passes and so um went up to lake placid originally i was supposed to be racing it um unfortunately injury in life gets in the way so uh went up to cover the race and um i've said this in a couple of different forums but uh working a race is infinitely more difficult than actually participating in one of these events like just from a pure day perspective it is harder to work than it is to race tell my wife that ryan can you i'm gonna have my wife listen to this podcast because she doesn't understand why i'm so tired when well she does now she didn't for a long time but she does now i will i do have to give her credit she she's amazing in the regards of when i get home she understands like you're oh, racked. It's, it's, oh, it's it's freaking 17, 19 hour days. Um my race day Sunday was 20 hours. Yeah. Um and you know, it's in like this isn't to discount like the training and everything else like up until a race, right? Like you as an athlete have it very hard, right? If you do your prep correctly right like the fatigue is real and everything the race is just kind of the reward for all that work 
your family that is spectating and those that are working have a much harder day on race day. Maybe that's what's really going on with the sport of triathlon. Maybe it's not the participants that are getting getting annoyed or sick of it. Maybe it's the spectators. Uh, I mean, so there's a little bit to spouses that are like putting their foot down being like, nah, we're not doing that anymore. Well, I mean, you look at um, the issues that a lot of races are having with recruiting volunteers and people willing to donate their time for something like this. Um, I think there is something to that where it's just, is that worth my commitment? Um, being on the ground in Lake Placid. So this year's fields, they had a little more than 1800 starters. They had um, sold closer to 2,500 slots. So you had a much higher rate of attrition of people with deferrals and transfers than you might have normally expected um, in a given calendar year. Um, overall, that made you know, the town was still very busy, right? Like Lake Placid is not massive by any stretch of the imaginations, but it never felt overwhelming. Um, How was the construction which, this year? Because I know last year the construction. So it's all pretty much done, right? Oh. Like all the work that they'd done in town. So um, everything was back the oval this Ooh, year, yeah. which if you have never been to Lake Placid, um, that is their second best finish line, period, end of sentence. Yeah. Um, best one traditionally has been Kona, right? Mm -hmm. um, but finishing on that oval and all of the work that they've done there. But, um, you know, it, it was busy enough, but like hotels weren't 100% full. You saw places um, downgrade from four and five night minimums relatively late. Um, if you were willing to kind of roll the dice on what you needed for accommodations, like there were some people who got hotels in town for under 200 bucks a night. Oh, wow. And so, um, you know, nice from a, hey, like I, I don't want to spend an arm and a leg on this, um, but a little bit more difficult to rely on. Um, but the big thing that, um, was new kind of this year was, you know, even before the race, uh, Ironman was selling registration for the following year Yeah, and you had really strong uptake from both this year's athletes and their crews getting registered for the race because they were giving you essentially the priority level of, registration fee mm -hmm. um so you know Do you know how much of a, a discount that was so the the it, the quote-unquote tier one price was 749 right and so is it really that much well so Are we really at 750 dollars for baseline iron man i am so naive i well, should know this i don't so baseline Ironman pricing for 2024, at least at Lake Placid, was 749. If you were a tri club and a couple other things, they were they had an additional kind of fifty dollar off mm -hmm. um, discount that was running, but you had to be a registered member of a tri club. They were checking yeah. against rosters in order to make sure that you had that. 
Um, here's the thing, though, right? Like the Who margin on race. What's that? Who isn't a member of a tri club? Well, who is not a member of an Ironman affiliated tri club? Because yeah. um, let me tell you, um, there are some clubs that have had issues with making sure that they had the proper con- points of contact and getting all of those registration stuff together. Sure. But, but backing up for a second, right? Like, Ironman took in like they had a 70 to 80% drop in revenue through the COVID pandemic. Right. And they did their damnedest to not lay a ton of people off. They still had to downsize through the course of the pandemic. Right. They furloughed like half of their crew. Didn't they? Well, a lot of the ops people, right. Like, and a lot of them are back, right? Like a lot of your, if you've been around a lot of these races um, in the Northeast, you know who Too Tall is, you know who the Godfather is. Like mm-hmm. those longtime ops guys, all still there, um, kicking ass and taking names and working yeah. 20 hour days all week. Yeah, Brian um, Hayes, who is, this is yep. responsible. Yep. Dave Christian, all those yeah. guys. Um, but when you look at what communities are asking for in terms of certain fees, policing costs, you know, every vendor that you deal with is getting more expensive, right? Like, well, then on top of that, like you're, you're having Ironman ask those communities for a lot of that in, in kind or cash. to I, I mean, your, entry fee does not produce the kind of margin you think it does right like at 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 the end of the day ironman makes its money on retail and partnerships like that that's for sure that is what i could be wrong but i i still think they're registered as a um like a retail um corporation i mean uh, if you look at the way that the pricing trend over the past 10 years, right? Like Ironman pricing has not changed that much. 70.3 pricing has changed more frequently than Ironman pricing has. I think they felt very strongly that they couldn't, they had a hard time going above the tier four price at $800, right? Like, because tier three, like this, 749 price point has been like the quote unquote generic price point for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I think their hands been forced just a little bit to move on the, on the full distance pricing, at least in certain communities. Right. Like, and I think certain races probably do need to command slightly different pricing just based on what, what it costs to operate there right? Like holding pretty flat. Um, I don't think we're going to see, you know, the same kind of thing where like Ironman New York city was priced at, you know, a thousand dollars one year, and then it was going to be $1,400 the next. And they realized, no, we can't actually get away with that. Yeah. Um, well, I think even at that price point, they were going to break even at best. At best. Yeah. Yeah. But that goes back to like your 
race entry margins are a very small part of what takes place, right? Yeah. Um, but we did see, you know, on the ground, like there were an awful lot of people, including yours truly, who put their credit cards down for the 25th anniversary version of the race next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in talking with a lot of the business owners and everything else, like we're seeing kind of that COVID travel boom, you know, we're on the backside of that hump a little bit in certain places. And so, you know, I, I think there was a fair amount of sentiment of, oh, at least, you know, we're full this weekend. Um, even if, you know, they've felt for a while, you know, that the heartache of race day wasn't really worth it anymore. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the expo because. The expo sucked (laughs) flat out, right? Like the expo consisted of, you know, a few tents where I had to pick up my media badge and my sweet green press vest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, the play try um bike setup the retail tent and a couple of really small local things but no like local shops and whatnot i mean that was it what Uh, what was missing from like there's two ways to look at this and i was thinking about this the other day because as a race director no matter what you do, whether you give away an expo fee of, for free or whether you charge for an expo, chances are you're going to have people that complain regardless, right? Because unless somebody goes to an expo and they just kill it, they're going to complain. Whether it's free, whether they paid for it, like, you know, vendors that are there to sell, if they don't make a lot of money, some of them are going to complain. And so I was trying to wrap my head around Iron Man's failure in the expo because it is a failure. It's it's a failure. It's it's completely gone to shit in North America. And 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 the gut reaction is that they are charging too much. But I also wonder if they just don't care because that was the other thought process in my head was because it, they're kind of doing that with title sponsorships too, where they're like, we're going to essentially overcharge for this because we don't really care if it gets filled or not. If, if, it, if, if it's the right partner that's willing to pay for it, then, then we're going to sell this, Sure, but we're not going to back down on it because we don't want to deal with people unless they're paying us to deal with them which is asinine but i just wonder what is going through their head and i can't ever get a straight answer from anybody over there about what what is actually going through their head because you know they have all these exclusives that you know cut partners out or cut people from coming to the expo they're obviously trying to funnel everybody through that tent to buy things from a retail perspective but at the same time, like their atmosphere at an Ironman event sucks because of it, because there's one to two other vendors 
at an expo. And, and, and it's not just some expos, it's all of the expos. So uh, a couple of points on that. One, I mean, is it really that asinine to say, you know what, like the only people I actually want to deal with are the ones that have paid me money to deal with their problems, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, no, I it's, think it's, from an athlete experience a, perspective, right? It like is. It, 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 it is. It's, it's, it's very short-sighted and it's very ignorant and it's, and it's obviously going to rear it's an empty head. But from a financial standpoint, if you're an accountant in the background, like, no, it's not asinine to think that way, but. Um, so um, a couple of thoughts just on the Lake Placid Expo, right? So yeah. one, Oval is was very empty, right? Um, title sponsor there, Athletic Brewing, had a really strong presence all weekend long um, from being at the expo site to welcome ceremonies to they had a lot of their ambassadors there on race day um lots of their um, their na brews like everywhere post-race right like it was a strong activation point for the title sponsor um it probably the best that i have seen um in a long time from the expo itself generally, um, the thing that makes Placid a little weird compared to other places is with the Oval and where Packet Pickup actually sits um, in the convention center, like the rest of town and everything that you might need is all right there. Sure. And so I think the impact of the Oval being a little emptier is um less of a problem at this particular race because you have so many bike shops and you have the fallen arch run store right there every you know there's three dozen restaurants right along main street like anything you could possibly need you you can get and you can get it while walking around Mm -hmm. um and not having to do a big hike like i think it was more of a problem when there was more construction on main street where it was much harder to get around yeah um and where stuff was way more spread out um during those two years where they had to move you know the expo and everything over to the fairgrounds um you know i think you know thinking of some of the other races that I've either been to or will be going to over the next, you know, couple of months, right? Like those are places where you really kind of feel it like Atlantic city where it's just the retail tent and a couple of, you know, pop-ups like that just, it feels small there on Bader field and there's nothing around there. Yeah. Yeah. The real, the real tell for because obviously they know this is an issue i i hope they do um and i hope they're taking it serious um they kind of say that they are but you know how it is with some of them over there um now obviously the world championships 
I think are going to be a disaster from an expo perspective. Um, that's, I that's feel my, like it's, that's my opinion on it. Like it's, but you know, what will be very interesting to see is, is when you go to race Ironman Arizona this year, because that community is very try heavy and that expo and that area fosters a really good expo experience. And that in the past has always been full of tents and tri clubs. And so it'll be interesting to see what that particular event is like moving into it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think they know that they have a problem, right? And I, I, from an athlete, because they're not, they're not, but what do they be? Cause they're not, they're not helping themselves out with it. Like they, they're not dropping rates. They're not like, they're like, if there's not a lot of people at the expo, it's, it's because it's too expensive to attend. Well, I mean, uh, that's the reason, right? Well, well, part of that too is, you know, this is part of the problem with worlds being split, right? Is oh, this has always been the problem. But but even but you know now you've made it times two, right? Like times four because travel and yeah, it's just that nightmare scenario is going to come home. And I'm curious as to which expo feels bigger, because I think there are some brands that certainly are going to want to be at at the all women's event, and because it's Kona, right? They are, but think- they're they're like they're banding in it, man. Like they're, I've talked to a lot of brands, and like they're going, they're there to support, but they're not doing it in the expo. Like they're there to support the women and they're all irritated about it. They're pissed because they want to do a better job. They want to be in the expo. They want to do things right, but they don't have the budgets and they can't justify based on the numbers to do the presence that, that it would cost to do. And so you've got all of these, you know, companies that, that have been a part of the sport for such a long time. And they're all saying the same thing. And that is they're just, they're not getting anywhere with Ironman from a pricing standpoint, from an activation standpoint, and they don't know what to do. That sounds like a problem for a new CEO to solve for. Yeah. Or their current, you know, sales and marketing officer or whatever. Whoever's in charge of there is it Matt too? Whoever whoever's in charge of like the overpricing that's going on, like they've got to start taking this seriously because it's an issue and it's not going to go away. Yeah, and I mean, I, I it's think it's been an issue. Part of what an athlete pays for, right, is just overall experience. Yeah, right? like, and that isn't just you know, a very safe and well-produced event on race day. It's all the other stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Lake Placid. So Joe Skipper won. Yeah. I had to run after Joe because I was up the condo downloading photos 
and he passed the uh, final turnaround on Mirror Lake Drive. And I realized that at the pace he was running, I had six minutes to get my camera shit back together and run to the finish line. Um, which um, I almost caught Rach McBride as she was going out for her sec- uh, their second loop mm-hmm. of the run. And I don't think Rach particularly appreciated guy in media vest with camera flying everywhere. Uh, uh, being hot on there <laughs> um but uh yeah fun fact you need carbon plated shoes if you're gonna be doing that like yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna be running around yeah. like that and then and then alice alberts won the yeah super big breakthrough for um uh, for her um just Really, like Placid has been known for two things. One is kind of somewhat otherworldly performances, and two has been for someone random to come out of nowhere and yeah. surprise everybody. And you got both. Yeah. I mean, Skipper had an absolutely ridiculous day all day long. Um, even, you know, like we got to see kind of his air, water bottle fairing set up with his arms up close and personal, oh, which thanks. was it it was really like in person. It looks way better than it did uh, seeing it on video. Right. Like it looks really smart. And yes, there's some stuff in there. Like It's not just there to sit out there. Um but it is it is i don't know if it's smart to do but it's a smart concept because i mean joe's joe's an intelligent person that sometimes doesn't think through everything but he thinks through a lot like there's not a lot of common sense to joe in certain aspects like i remember the first time that he was in lake placid and you know, he just thought he was going to take a taxi everywhere, you know, because in England there's taxis everywhere. So, you know, so when I say there's not a lot of common sense when it comes to certain things with Skipper, like that's one of them. So but I, I will intelligence standpoint, like that guy is, is, I swear he's, he's probably on the spectrum. He reminds me a lot of my son, JT, where like there is certain things that he is just, when he starts talking it just goes way over my head. Like I can't even keep up with his thought process on it. And then about an hour later, after I kind of digested, I'm just like, holy shit, that guy is smart. So to your point, uh, Joe learned because he had a beater bike to get around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which was, you know, funny seeing it. Like I think it was seven o'clock and I'm going back to my condo. Cause it's like, all right, most of the pro stuff is, done for now and i need a rest because i've got you know another four hours worth of work to do on the other side of this and just seeing him with his you know with that beater bike and i'm like oh my god <laughs> like, yeah. yes this was actually smart um but you know seeing him through town and everything like could move the arms super easily right like it it looks worse than it is, 
right? Yeah. It, it's just, I but think good, it, because it, it scares it, me when I look at it. Yeah. It, Particularly no, like, if, if like some age group athlete that doesn't know how to handle a bike, just soup like, like you could yeah, move, they're going to get their kind of slot. Like, no, just super easy to move your arms in and out of there. Um, at least Joe made it look really easy. Yeah. Right. Cause um, he's even the first person to say like, it's not for every course. Like there's definitely courses I use it on. And then there's courses regardless of having to explain it to the reps or whatever. He's just like, there's courses that it doesn't make any sense on. Um, and you know, like Ben Hoffman had a great race, um, and being able to see what, uh, him with his family there at the finish yeah. line. Like that was a really cool moment. Um, just it, I think it that's going to felt quote unquote, it felt quote unquote normal, right? Like yeah. being there in person, like it's like, Oh, you know, it's a little smaller than it was, you know, in 2019, but it still feels pretty damn big. Yeah. Um, and that's that was awesome. cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And then we with Maine happen. Yeah, seventy point three Maine, my old stomping grounds. Um, now up in Augusta, Trevor Foley with an unbelievable bike and run performance. Like yes, um, the craziest downriver swim I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> Fast when, currents. Uh, so I would estimate that the current had to be about 120 per hundred. Really? Downstream, because it's like you, a triathlon in Burley, Idaho. It called the Spudman, and it's put on by the um, the Rotary Club. It's 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 the coolest Olympic sprint race in the country because it's in the middle of nowhere, Idaho. It's put on by a bunch of old farmers that are raising money for a charity. They do it through the rotary company, the club, and it's a downriver swim and the Olympic, the, like the fast Olympic swimmers do it in about nine minutes and you get every single newbie, in Utah and Idaho and Wyoming and Montana to drive into the middle of nowhere camp in like this bug infested field to like get their swim PR. Yeah, no, the lead pro male swim, I think was 1420. Yeah, yeah. Off the top of my head. But no, what sealed it was seeing the pros um, warming up and they had, you know, a single buoy set, you know, maybe 50 yards out above the dock where you were jumping in to go down river. So you had to swim upstream and nobody made it to the buoy. Like just, it looked like an endless pool, right? Like it was unbelievable. Okay. So I didn't watch this. So was it, it, it clearly wasn't an in water start, was it? Um, so like, how did they it, do that with the age groupers? So I have no, no idea. So it was, um, they were all hanging on to the dock and okay. then went. And then, um, 
at least my experience in this kind of thing would be, you know, so they're starting roughly six athletes every five seconds, you know, countdown timer, and you would either, you know, jump in or you'd be (laughs) swept away. um, I wish I was there. Some reasons I really do wish I'm I'm very sad that I missed. That would have been just pure entertainment to watch. So anecdotally, um, there uh, is a guy in uh, Tri Club that I know of. um, And he's like, you know, one of my fellow swimmers at this master's program, he's like brand new, like in the pool, he is three minutes per hundred. His swim time was 2130. Nice. <laughs> right? like, for him. Yeah. Um, what was the, it? Was, was it? Why was it? Was it so much faster than normal? Just yeah. So rain. So the Kennebec River is usually got a fair amount of current in it. Yeah, um, it's like any other downward swim that's in some of the triathlons around here. So you know, it's the main feeder, right? Like to go out to the Gulf of Maine. Um, So you have all of these various tributaries and streams and rivers that wind up feeding into the Kennebec. Mm -hmm. And then you factor in that we have had so many severe rain events over the last six weeks, including the night before the race. Um, You know, there was another four to five inches of rain that got dumped in certain parts of maine and new hampshire the night before like yeah okay yeah it was hauling ass we had we had some reader that was just ripping the story because he was convinced that iron man had like put it there to like set prs and it's just funny to get people's opinions on things and then i I mean really quick it was like whoa, 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 whoa like this is this is so what they were doing so one i know zev meyerwitz who's a phenomenal age group athlete probably could have taken his pro card at one point or another but it was smart uh, and figured out it wasn't worth it um well he's a uh he's a doctor in capes of fifth maine like he's good guy um and uh but you know, if you're going to have a race in Augusta, like there's literally only one place that has enough space to put transition and everything else. And that's where it is today. And the yeah. only body of water that's anywhere close to that is the Kennebec. Yeah. Um, so it's this or nothing. And, you know, given the level of outcry that we've seen over the you know, cancellation of the full distance race in Mont-Tremblant after this year, you know, like people get big mad when the schedule gets downsized a little bit. So, um, and you know, Augusta had, or Maine had more than 2000 athletes registered for the race. Like uh, that feels like an event that is pretty healthy. Um, like people seem to want it there um came off really well it's a challenging bike and run course um kind of makes up for the fact that you know you do have a paper bag swim yeah 
Yeah. I mean, and it's not, it's not any different than, you know, the Florida bike course, you know, I mean, that's, it's about as easy as you can get, you know, but the Florida swim can kick your ass too. Yeah. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, it just depends on how things go. Like Florida's also been a race where it's been 38 degrees at the start of the day. Yeah. Could also be in the seventies. Right. Like it only rain. What happens? Okay. Yeah. So we've been busy. We've been busy with, um, you know, traveling to races, covering the races. We just talked about, um, you know, Ironman Lake Placid, 70.3 Maine. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, cause you were watching the main race. Talk to us about Justin Metzler, which we've got an audio clip for, um, that we'll play for you now. Hey man. Yeah, it was a bit of a, uh, And came in transition and kind of like shoved it in there with my zipper halfway done. And then like I went to go zip it up all the way and it like the zipper slipped out of my hand. It completely came unzipped. And then the 1.5 liter was just like, I almost dropped it. And so I had it in my, like just by the freaking cap in my mouth for like a mile. And then I had it in the side of my jersey and I didn't want to ditch it, obviously, because that would have been a penalty littering or whatever and so i just was like managing this 1.5 liter bottle with my jersey open it caused this like parachute situation for 20 miles until the first aid station so that was a real pain in my ass um and I, that's why i was i mean i was pushing good power and felt good i just had trouble keeping up with the guys on the on the downhill i actually bridged it back up to, i was messing with it the first mile those guys opened up a gap i bridged back up to barnaby and sharp um and then like i don't know on the downhill i was really struggling to until mile 20 when yeah i was able to ditch it and then i actually i couldn't get the thing zipped up like while riding just like the way like the deli suit is super tight the new pr2 so i had to physically stop like right when trevor caught me that's when i was stopping and i had to zip up my freaking kit um so yeah a bit of a a comedy of errors there for the first 20 miles but i mean got in a groove and felt like average to above average um rest of the day and super bummed out for Matt like you know he earned that third place uh, off his performance but uh, so Ryan you didn't really know what was going on with this whole situation so um, we didn't see uh, what had happened to Justin in transition right Um, he had a very good swim for him and then, you know, cameras started going up the road. And the next time that we saw him on camera, you know, his jersey's flapping everywhere in the wind. Yeah. And, um, you know, pretty immediately, like knowing that, you know, Justin's a smart guy. He knows what the data looks like on a lot of this stuff. I went, oh, he must have tried a bottle fairing down his jersey and busted the zipper. Right. Because... Um, a lot of these tri kits, you know, particularly if it unzips the whole way at the bottom, like you can pop that zipper really easily. And then you're like, good luck trying to put that all back together while riding. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and you know, as Justin talked about, that's exactly what happened. You know, he's trying to handle this massive, 
bladder bottle thing and like handle the bike. We never saw the bottle on camera either, right? Like so right. he did a good uh, job with it. Pro tip like hats off to him. Like I have no idea how he did that. Right. Um, Twenty miles. Twenty miles. Not and the terrain through there, like you had the best um kind of descent and place to pick up speed. Um Maine's roads can be pretty technical in terms of how you need to approach riding them um, in order to maintain speed and not have to go really, really deep on power spikes and everything else. And so I'm not surprised that like the place that Justin was losing time was on those more technical like downhill sections because like unless you're fully committed, you're going to lose time there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when Trevor kind of rocketed through him, like at the aid station, it's like, well, well, that explains a fair bit. Like, cause I would have assumed that even, um, like had Justin not been having problems, like when Trevor came through, like that's when you would expect Justin to make a move on the bike. Yeah. Um, cause you know, he similarly, like he, he's not the runner that Trevor is, but he's certainly, you know, the kind of guy who's going to go with a bike move and mm-hmm. try to put a stamp of authority on the race there. And yeah. just, it, he couldn't, but you know, you saw that once he got his Jersey back under control, um, he was able to then ride more to what he's capable of and then put together kind of a, a good remainder of the race, you know, still kind of two to three minutes down on the best of the run times, but you know, one fifteen still isn't, you know, it's not a slow half marathon. No, particularly he's just starting to kind of get back into form with his injury that he had during yeah. uh, the early part of the season where he was basically elliptical in it for like four months. So now uh, in the know, audio clip, he talked about, you know, Matt being disqualified for the rule that a lot of people don't know exist. And apparently so, Matt didn't either, which I, Michael Lovato taught me this rule 20, 22 years ago when I was racing at Utah 70.3 and he had passed me on his second lap of the run and, and I had just unzipped my zipper though. Actually, no, because that was, that was before full zippers. Like back then, that was, that was the DeSoto full full piece. So I had like taken my Jersey completely off the top because it was like 95 degrees. It was the year that like Peter Reed, like walked during the half because it was so stinking hot. It was the year that Tony, uh, Tim, Tony DeBoom won it. But, um, but he even like the, the rule has been around forever. Like, well, so a couple of points on this, right? So one, um, this goes back to the overarching effort that Ironman's made to align their rule book closer to the world triathlon setup, right? Where, um, you know, 10 years ago, everyone was freaking out because you weren't allowed to have 
the zipper below a certain point on your sternum, right? Like heaven forbid. And then we realized, no, what, what we're really trying to do is we don't want any male nipples showing. Try right, man. Because, you know, heaven forbid. Um, and so just male nipples. It, it I mean, women are generally, right. it, it's just, it's save the nipple, Ryan, save it. Obviously. <laughs> um, and then we all realized that, you know, if a guy really wanted to, they could ferrisol sultan it, right? Like, oh, you, if you want to have a men's sports bra, like totally legal, yeah, right? Yeah, go for it. Um, but if you do that, and you've seen Haley Chura actually do this, right? Oh, yeah. Where if if you opt to go down to just the bra or, you know, sleeve list top like that we'll call it a um, you have to roll the full sleeved down to your waist mm-hmm. right yeah um so the way that the rule is written today is one you can't run in a bare torso if you do it is a variable time penalty and you're disqualified if you're not promptly remedying it that's mm. that's part one of the rule part two of the rule dictates that the top has to completely cover your shoulders and that it that if um the zipper can go all the way down and become detached it must remain attached um this was something that came up you know probably eight, nine years ago when Jesse Thomas had some issues with a zipper and he was forced to like safety pin his top back together to not run afoul of that rule. Right. Um, But this has been on the books for a really long period of time. And very simply, the rule is if you get caught, it's a disqualification if you don't immediately fix it. Right. And then the last part of that rule which appears after the penalty is that your Jersey should be fully zipped when you cross the finish line. Mm. I just thought, that you know, it's, sense. it's a relatively throwaway line, but it's yeah. in there. Like yeah, man. you have to do it. Um, and unfortunately for Matt, you know, like he was, he had the kind of top that fully detached at the bottom he ran with it like that. He crossed the finish line like that. He, you know, was third on the road. And why would he do that though? Like, why would he, why would he cross the finish line without representing his sponsors? Because athlete brain is real, Eric. I know, but, but do you know how, like, even when I, so example, I was working. Iron Man Lake Placid. And it's still like he was in a stupid on race day. Lessons learned. Lessons learned, um, I guess. And you know uh, Matt's a good guy, man. I like Matt. Matt's a it's a it's a it, it, is it a sucks for like him Justin so said. yeah, I mean, just like Justin said, like it it's it was a bummer, you know, because he he deserved the well, you know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, I guess. Um, you know. I, I mean it goes back to like it, at some point you have responsibility to know the rule book, right? Like yep. if this is your job, you have one job. 
Um, and, you know, like to give that situation slightly in reverse, you know, like going back to Lake Placid for a moment, like that one picture I have of Joe Skipper in the article, like he left transition and he had like a plastic bag of his stuff and he was carrying it with him and he wanted to dump it right then and there. And he got told like, no, you have to take that to an aid station. And I'm pretty sure I captured the moment where he was like very mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) Fundamentally unhappy that he had to carry this bag. But, um, Joe's like grunting to, but you know what? He, he brought it with him. He did it because he listened to the official, right? Like (laughs) he had one job and he did it. Um, and so, you know, it's, it sucks that that's the way that he had to learn it. Um, I think the way that that rule is written where it's just like, it's auto DQ. If you don't immediately remedy it, Matt says he wasn't told, right? Like, I don't know. Um, regardless, he'd probably have wound up with a time penalty. Like, even if the rules slightly different, okay, time penalty. Let's slide you down to fifth, sixth, right? Like you're off the podium, anyways. Right. Um, you know, it's just it's unfortunate. I'm sure he won't do it again because you know you learn that lesson. You know, cost him a few thousand bucks, right? Like oh, yeah. more than that with bonuses. Yeah. Um, and you know, last mention. Well, two last mentions from Maine. One, slow twitcher Ben Deal, fourth place. Outstanding performance out of that guy. Um, and Nicole Falcaro with a breakthrough, getting her first podium. Nice. So good stuff on on their fronts. How is Ben Deal doing? I haven't talked to the guy forever. Um, you know, it, he's had ups and downs you know particularly through covid um mm-hmm. this is his strongest result in a iron man branded event i think in three or four years yeah um you know just a really like and really it was his run that put him up the field like mm-hmm. he had a very very good day at the office and it still makes me laugh whenever i log into the tracker whenever i log into the tracker and i see it's his dog like always makes me laugh yeah (laughs) which i mean not to take away from him but i mean he's still 13 minutes down from first i mean even justin was 11 minutes down from first i mean justin had a huge you know issue with his but it's it's crazy how fast some of these Trevor stomped the field oh, on yeah. the bike. Yeah. Like he went and to the, the front early and then just went and fucked off. Like yeah. he, had, he had the second he had the second fastest run too. I mean he, I was, know. he was sub one twelve. Yeah. If the man um, could just swim just a little faster. I, well, he trains with Lionel, you know? Uh, he'll get there. He's 24, I think. I like know, he'll, I know. he and has. I know such a good example to him. You know, I can't, 
I would love to go hang out with those two for like a couple of days because I would imagine that Lionel has been a wealth of knowledge of what to do and what not to do in the sport of triathlon to Trevor. Bring some uh, sweet Nebraska beef with you. Ooh, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to get past Talbot. I don't know <laughs> if I could do that. Maybe. So, so, you know, briefly speaking of Talbot, like, um, because Talbot is on the ground in Milwaukee this week. Like, yeah, so is That Kenny. guy is the only one hyping up the race this weekend. Really? <laughs> like, he is doing a fun, like, seriously, like from well, he's a emotional standpoint, like, like he's, he's, that's he's his... been very good. You know, I I don't do it very often, but I was thinking about Talbot last week because one of his one of his YouTube videos came up, and um, and it was his Kona recap video from like five years ago when it was just him, and it it had like I don't remember off the top of my head, but it, it was it was close to like a half a million, if not more. And it was the, it was the year that it was, it was sponsored by Everyman Jack. And like the kid is so, and I shouldn't say kid because he's a grown ass man. He's so talented when it comes to the excitement of sport. Yeah. And I wonder what, and this is hindsight, right? And I, and I say this out of pure respect and, and admiration for what his talents are. But I wonder what it would have been like if he would have just kept going in that direction instead of trying to produce other people's um, successes instead of him being the success. Instead of him, you know, if he would have just had a little bit more and I don't know if it was confidence or desire or what, because I've never really asked him those questions. But but I had that moment where I was just like, geez, man, like, I wonder what it would have been like if he would have just kept going, you know, if he would have, you know, followed the Ironman rules and not got in trouble and didn't feel like he needed to go, you know, latch on to pro athletes instead of just doing the things for himself. I wonder where that would have went because like I was fully entertained for like an hour and I don't get entertained that often when it comes to the sport of triathlon, as far as like really being able to look at somebody and be like, man, that was unique. Like they did a good job with that. You know, I mean, I think, um, we could probably sit here and ask the same question of like a Taryn Gessel, right? Like, you know, what would have happened had you not chased certain YouTube trends with, you know, like triathlon Taryn as your brand, right? Like yeah. and going in 15 different directions. Um, and, you know, I think in the case of Talbot, like, I don't think he'd be unafraid to say, you know, to come on here and, talk a little bit about that and the decisions on some of that stuff that he made i think he makes some of the like when you think of professional triathlon content like outside of the iron man broadcast he's probably the best at it right now like from a pro athlete like and 
and building kind of that hype and excitement around the elite level of the sport. Um, yeah, well, he it, has access, you know, and that's... I mean, that's access huge. is huge, right? But, yeah. like, it, it, it's a combination of having access and also having the viewpoint and, like, sure. the skills to... He's just, like, I've never met anybody that is so enamored with the sport of triathlon than him. And he's got the skills to do it. Right, like, and that's a really rare combination of things to be able to kind of pull that together. Um, but Talbot, if you're listening, man, just keep flying that flag, dude. Just why why don't you try opening your uh, seltzer bottle while you're (laughs) struggle, man? It's a struggle. I know. I went on a long run this morning, and I was supposed to go at like six and. That didn't happen. And then I was supposed to go at eight and that didn't happen. And and then finally at like 10, I got to go out and go run. And my dog's like in the corner, just hating life because she's just so tired. But I mean, let's talk a little bit about what happened on the site because we're starting to get close to our hour, which I don't know why we really worry about that. We're still like we're called like the triathlon hour or something like that. No, but, no we are not. Um, but we've got, you know, so I actually... I, I dove into some saddle reviews. Yes. Um, yeah. The most important part of a bike. I'm starting to think it's pretty close to it. Um, outside of fit, you know, saddles are pretty, pretty important, even though a lot of people don't tend to think it. But um, we did review the, the new uh, Cadex saddle, the AMP saddle. Um, yeah. And it's, I wouldn't say that it's super special, but I would say that it's a damn good saddle. Um, and, and I don't think it's supposed to be super special. Like it's basically it's, it's the same saddle that they had in the original boost, but what they've done essentially is they've, they've made it a little bit more narrow, a little bit lighter. And, and it's got more of a curvature to it, which to me, it was, it was a two-step process. Number one, it required way more fiddling to get it right. So for example, if I'm on a typical saddle, that's kind of flat, you know, um, so I'll just use one of like the pro saddles because I've 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 ridden a lot of the Shimano Pro saddles before. They don't they don't have a whole lot of curvature. They they kind of you know they they focus on width. They focus on um, you know for lack of better word the the taint line in the middle of the saddle. Like that's their focus. Um, so I can get on one of those things and I can get on the bike once and I know exactly whether or not I need to tilt it or drop the, the nose down. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm usually pretty good. It takes about five minutes and then I'm fine. And then I kind of figure out really quick if it's too wide for me with this particular saddle, it took me like 45 minutes. I had to get off the bike like four times to get the angle right of the saddle. And at first I was a little worried because I didn't like it at all. At first, um, I started to get a lot of pain in my pelvic area and my hands started to get numb and I was just like crap like 
what am I, you know, it's like, cause you gotta be honest about it. You got, you, you know, if you don't like something, you gotta say it. But then I finally found that sweet spot. And as soon as I found that sweet spot, everything that they said that they were trying to do with this new saddle started to become very clear with how I felt riding it. So, you know, the advantages of the saddle, it's a road saddle. It's not a triathlon saddle. It's not designed to be on a time trial bike, which is, you know, the Wolves saddle that we'll get in in just a second. Two totally different saddles. But when I was climbing, so it's a it's a climbing saddle. So it's it's designed for pro riders on that type of environment where you're in mountain stages and things like that. So, so I decided to go on a ride up immigration canyon which is a local right here in utah and while i was climbing i could feel all of those attributes in that saddle be very accurate with the actual riding that was going on all the way down to when i was descending i could feel the same thing that went into it so you know great saddle but you gotta so it's gonna take you a second to get it really dialed in and that brings up two points right like one um if your saddle's not right like the rest of the fit just it can't be right you're miserable right? and you're, you're absolutely you know, your yeah. your saddle choice right like the, this is why like it took a little bit of time for you to fiddle with it like one anytime you adjust any contact point like the rest of the fit has to dynamically change a little bit right yep. like where you needed to be on that saddle to keep the rest of your contact points because i'm sure you didn't move your handlebars you didn't change crank length or anything like you threw it on a bike you had to move some stuff around in order to get to where your body needed to be yeah and then secondly like a saddle has a thankless job like when it's good you don't really sing its praises. You don't do anything. It's like, okay, you know, yeah, like, yeah, you're not like, that didn't suck. Oh, arrow, it's so cool but, looking. But like when it's wrong, you hate everything about it. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And it, and, and a lot of people, I don't think understand that particularly new triathletes and new cyclists, you know? And so that's, one of the reasons why Dan has always been very particular about riding saddles and the importance of saddles and, 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 and we're going to continue to do that because, um, you know, physique's got a new saddle that we're going to look at here pretty soon. And, um, you know, and so there's some other saddles that are launching that we'll, we'll start to look at because it, it really is the second most important aspect of a bike fit and, and what is actually on your bicycle. Yeah. Um, so, and then we dove into the most expensive tri saddle. I think the most expensive saddle. I don't know. There's probably another saddle out there that's like covered in gold or something. But I mean, some of the pure car, like all carbon, everything gets up there. But yeah, which Wolf is, is yeah, it's expensive. It's five hundred and ninety-five dollars is the cost of this saddle. Um, it's the Wove. It's the V8 saddle particularly the time trial position saddle and i don't i didn't have any issues with it man like i got on that saddle and it was comfortable from the very moment 
I got on the saddle. And do I think they should have priced it at five ninety five? No, I think they should have priced it at like four ninety five. But at the same time, they're trying to make a little bit of money off of it, and they're a small company. They're doing um, the manufacturing in the United States. It's super expensive, um, and it's it's a good saddle. Like it's it's I mean, one piece carbon construction. It's kind of it comes with a lifetime warranty on the frame. The top upper, which is really super stable, comes with a year warranty. Five years down the road, if you need to replace it, it's a hundred dollars. It gets shipped. It gets shipped back to you in like four days. Like basically, what I've kind of come to the conclusion on is you're paying an extra hundred bucks for warranty peace of mind, longevity, that's what you're paying for. So, and I mean, and it's look, the way nice. that it's like, it's the crazy. way that it's constructed, right? Like there, there are reasons why it costs what it does. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, it kind of goes back to, you know, because a saddle is not a sexy piece of bike equipment, right? Like, people don't get that mad when you talk about a $3,000 wheel set or, you know, or a $7,000 wheel set that we're about to go into next week. Or, you know, like the latest, you know, version of electronic shifting, right? Like it is interesting though, isn't it? There are certain, uh, like it's, it is mind boggling. Like, yeah, it's, it's expensive. Like $600 is expensive. But at the same time, when you look at what people are spending on other things, like, like people are, like it's the same people that are complain about a six hundred dollars saddle are going to be the ones that literally buy a thousand dollar wetsuit. Well, I mean, and that's not even made out of carbon. Like this is rubber. <laughs> um, you know, it's just it goes back to you know I think people have certain expectations as to what certain things should cost. Yeah. You know, like yes. because good. A, good. because a saddle, right? Like you can get an, an Adamo off of Amazon right now for 139 bucks, right? Yeah. Like and for, you know, certain people that's going to be like a great fit. Um but, you know, it's the same as ski boots or anything else right like my wife's new set of ski boots this past year cost over a thousand dollars right right and but that's what she needed in order to be well connected to the ski and to be able to ski to her best ability like that's just that's what it costs um that saddle is going to be a great fit for certain people including yourself like it sounds like um and then you have to ask yourself, like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. Still cheaper than an Iron Man entry. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, right? But um, no, I like I I probably didn't do it any favors with the way that I phrased the social post. But you know, like for some people, that five hundred and ninety-five dollars is an absolute 
bargain compared to the money that they would have spent on bike fits, on trying other saddles, on shorts, on chamois cream, on treatment for the saddle sores that they're dealing with, like the thousands upon thousands of dollars that people spend chasing their own tail when the real problem was like, shit, you just needed to spend a little bit more the first time around on the saddle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With that note, anything else on the site that people should check out? I mean, everything that we've got going on on the site, right? Um, We've got some good forms threads going on the site right now. What's up with the Chelsea Sodaro one? Like, talk to me a little bit about that because I didn't didn't watch the clip. So very briefly, uh, Chelsea, like in part of the PTO US Open, like preview content, right? Like was talking about, you know, her credentials as an athlete right defending iron man world champion kind of a big deal check um and you know essentially saying that you know like she needs to have like a killer mindset when she goes and races right like she doesn't do the friendly like oh you're doing a great job thing like no she's there to kick ass and take names right like that's essentially the gist of what she said (laughs) good for her and People got mad about it. And, you know, like some of it just the worst. Like the the participant trophy people got mad? Like who? No, no. So, one, our form is not the participant trophy people, like to put it in your terms. Um, No, like. Some of them are. there's so many words I want to use that I won't. Um, right, it's the podcast you're allowed to. It, it, I'm self-censoring. <laughs> um, the worst post was the one that said that they couldn't stand the tone of Chelsea's voice. And it's like, okay, now you're doing the women are shrill thing. Like, go away. Like, just, you suck. Like, why are you here? Yeah, I also um, feel the need to get on a social platform and voice my opinion about that as well. But, um, you know, uh, what I went back with was like when when we have male athletes, particularly in North America, right, like who talk somewhat of a big game, like they're in the same kind of thing of having a killer mindset. Like they're very much celebrated for it. Like the oh, yeah. the biggest one's Jordan, right? Like Jordan was a notorious asshole, but like dude won six championships and is, you know, widely regarded as the greatest of all time, right? Larry Bird, legendary trash talker, right? Yeah. Like, and revered for the fact that he talks trash. I mean, Charles Barkley today, right? Like on TNT makes fun of everything, including the city of San Antonio when Ever he's on. Okay, right? but these little <laughs> basketball players, Ryan, talk about the sport of triathlon males that I mean, do this. Chris McCormick, right? Oh, yeah. Like legendary trash talker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, also a good sportsman, which yeah. Chelsea is too. Like her just because she says her mindset is like that on, on race day doesn't mean that that's what she feels like when she passes somebody. I mean, no, no, totally different things, right? Like, I mean, if you if you're treating this as your job, right, 
And if you are treating this as like, I have to beat these people, right? Like you're, what your mindset is from, you know, the cannon start until you cross the finish line is going to be one thing. And then you can be the best of friends outside of that. Yeah. Right. Like, isn't that what the majority of us like kind of seek out when we're in a tri club or a group ride? Like I've jokingly referred to as a bunch of group rides I've done as the Tuesday night world championships, right? Yeah. Like wheels up. We are trying to beat the ever loving snot out of one another. And yes. then when we're done, we are all sharing beers and laughing about it. Yes. That's what we're there for. Right. Mm -hmm. And if that's what Chelsea needs and, to do in order to be able to compete like why the hell aren't we celebrating that yeah like that's yeah. the part that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way right our form uh, in a nutshell there we go there we go on that note thank you so much for joining us uh, we i'm not gonna promise we're gonna do this every week but we're sure gonna try to do it every week as long as we're not you know running all over God's green earth. We sure are going to try. There we go. All right, everybody have a great uh, weekend and we will uh, probably talk to you on the forum. Thanks all.